Welcome to the Manufacturing IT Podcast, where we talk with leaders across Industry 4.0 and discover the latest technology and automation. This podcast is for anyone with Industry 4.0, whether you're an MES engineer or head of automation. Make sure you tune in and enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, hit like and subscribe, and don't forget to comment and add your views. The Manufacturing IT Podcast is brought to you by Manufacturing IT Recruitment. Enjoy the episode. Hi there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manufacturing IT Podcast. Joined today by Sean O'Packer from Honeywell. Sean and I have known each other for a while. So, Sean, please give us a bit of an intro into who you are and, and kind of what you do. Hi, Dan. Excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. I'm Sean Opatka. I'm Vice President and General Manager of Honeywell's Life Science Business. I've been in the life science industry for well over the last 15 years. Several different companies, several different roles, all focused in life science manufacturing, primarily around digital solutions, whether it be process automation, MES, analytics, the entire ecosystem, if you will. No, that's that's good. Thanks for thanks for sharing, Sean. So you and I go a little way back. I, I remember you and I connected on LinkedIn back when you were at Emerson, I think. But then we worked together when you were at Wareham and kind of collaborated on a few bits and pieces. So I was really intrigued when I, I saw you'd kind of moved on to Honeywell and keen to kind of get a bit of a, an insight into what you're up to now and, and what your role entails. Sure. It's a really exciting time. The reason I decided to join Honeywell, you know, there's this culture of innovation in the company and the opportunity to come in and and focus on the industry I've been working in for most of my career and really help build something and try and be disruptive. I think the way that industry is changing today, there's opportunity for companies like Honeywell and the manufacturers to work together and come up with new solutions to new problems and, and maybe some some older problems. So that was a big reason I made the decision to to join Honeywell, along with the, the technology leadership that the company has. Always been a company I admired and really excited to be part of it. Now that, that That's interesting to hear. Can, can you share much on the innovation side? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, Honeywell, we, we really want to reinvent the way companies measure, analyze, and, and run their operations. Uh, you know, it's all about this digital ecosystem, if you will. You know, where everything's always connected, everything's learning, people are free to focus on strategic tasks. Quality and operational data, really important in the industry, uh, are accessible and actionable to all. It's easy to get, easy to integrate, easy to analyze. And I'd really like to help make every worker an expert. You know, thanks to the insights we can provide with our customers, we hope to make them capable of making better and faster decisions. No, that, that, that's interesting. And I, I guess making making each employee within the kind of shop floor and the manufacturing site more, more intelligent and more clued up to the data they're producing can only lead to better results. But uh, in terms of your you know, ecosystem at Honeywell and the life science piece, what, what's your plan and vision? Where, where are you looking to take that, that business unit? Yeah, well, when I look at when I look at it, Dan, as we said, it, it is an ecosystem, and of course, Honeywell play in parts of it. You know, I think about things like data integrity, of course, process automation, something Honeywell would be very well known for. Quality and compliance with the recent acquisition we did of Sparta Systems, cybersecurity, sustainability, and then of course, lifecycle management, getting the most out of your solutions. 
So those are really the main focus areas that are part of Honeywell. But I think the industry, Dan, is is changing as we, we've all seen. And it's important mm. to, to also take a bigger look at things, whether that's through partnerships, relationships with, with customers or technology and other solution providers. But we want to be part of it and, and really drive that, that value with our, our partners, whether it be a customer or an actual provider of other solutions. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting what you say about the kind of acquisition with Sparta because I, I knew Sparta to be a leader in, in the field that they operated within. And it makes a lot of sense to, to acquire companies and to build upon the knowledge that they have. Do you see the more acquisitions in this space and around the kind of whole life cycle management and process automation and MES? Do you think the acquisition piece is something that's going to be a key part going forward? I, I do. It's a bit hard for me to comment on specifics, yeah. as you might imagine. <laughs> uh, no breaking news. <laughs> you know, but there, there's been acquisitions uh, in the news recently, you know, and it, it's always part of how companies look to, to grow. And I, I think it is important, uh, especially as, as the way the industry changes and, and is reshaped, mergers, acquisitions will certainly be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And and obviously, one of the things that, that attracted me to, to having you on the podcast, Sean, was, was your background working with some of the key key players in the markets and, and, and key companies that, that I've recruited for and worked with and, and obviously understand intimately. But keen to know your kind of idea on the landscape at the moment across MES and the whole manufacturing IT spectrum. So, so how do you see it at the moment? Yeah, I, I see it changing. You know, it's, I, I think really COVID has, the pandemic, unfortunately, but it's it's driven some changes in the industry. You know the the way we work, the way we approach things, mm. uh, certainly has changed. What tools we use, how we collaborate. You know we're we're all uh, presumably sitting at home right now. You and I working <laughs> from home and not an office. Yeah. And, and you know that's that's okay for people like us. We I think mm. we can do our jobs typically uh, from that space. But think about trying to run a manufacturing facility <laughs> and produce. Yeah drugs it's it's changed so what's important and i think our customers in talking to them have learned uh, how to focus on what matters how to prioritize and i think we'll see the tools they use to do these things start to change as well looking at, at new solutions different ways to add value and eliminate some of the the processes that maybe existed for a long time just because they were there. This has really accelerated the, the pace of change as far as digitization goes. Yeah, and, and I can see that from a recruitment perspective as well. Obviously, as you say, you and I are working from home. It, it's it's fairly comfortable, but but how, how do you operate a shop floor and, and how do you ensure the manufacturing processes remain? And I think the, the interesting challenge I've seen is how companies are looking to spread their teams, not only from a, a point of, of kind of social distancing, maybe, maybe, but also in terms of sharing sharing knowledge and insight across different facilities and, and different people within those. How, how do you think COVID's affected many of the, the manufacturers that, that you come into contact with? Yeah, I think it's affected them greatly. And not just looking at it from across facilities, looking at it from home, looking at it from your, from your <laughs> phone, you know, having those analytics at your, your fingertip or information, if you will, that that is changed or has changed and will continue to to evolve. And what you said there, Dan, I think is is really key. How how you bring this to an enterprise level. Mm. Of course, it's important at the plant level, but as you start to connect things at a higher level and with some of the technologies available today, whether it be tools or uh, technology like cloud, right? You can you can start to bring together 
more data, more knowledge, more information, and, and make useful decisions and insights, gain insights from it. So I, I think that will will rapidly evolve. And some things we're, we're looking at Honeywell as well and how we do that. Of course, the, the smart acquisition we talked about earlier, a big part of that was their, their use of AI, the fact that they're a mm-hmm. cloud platform. Those types of solutions, I think we're going to see more and more in, in our industry, whereas other industries, maybe they're a bit further along. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's always blown my mind a little bit with kind of life science domain as whole in, in terms of kind of how that cloud adoption and maybe, shall I say, a little bit behind other industries in in how, how well they adopt to kind of cloud technologies and, and putting things like an MES in, into a cloud. But do you find that at the moment there's a lot of resistance to change or companies are, are recognizing that? Things do need to change. Things have changed, and now they're they're opening the floodgates to change. Or do you still think there's a a bit of reluctance and reticence? Yeah, I'm not sure it's reluctance. Uh, <laughs> I think there is there is acceptance and mm-hmm. maybe recognition that the change needs to come and and will come. But in our industry, with with the patient at the center of everything we do, it's really important to make good decisions and understand the impact the decisions you're making on on use of technology for example if you're you're moving data to the cloud what how it would impact your operations i i do think it's it's changing i see more and more people talking about different types of innovation digital technologies how how they can be used and i think you'll see it more on the periphery okay and in in the future get more more close to actually happening on the the plant floor the technology's there it's it's being smart about it and that's always the the interesting thing. So so I feel like in a, a fairly lucky position that I don't have to have these hard conversations with either the executives above me or the, or the shop floor um, personnel working with me. But but how do you drive that change from from the vendor side where you are? How do you give your clients and give manufacturers and give everybody involved the confidence that what you're saying, what you're suggesting, is the future and is that path? How do you get over that? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. And I, I think the the technology you can you can prove, right? And it may take some time, but you can prove out that something technically works. Uh, it's about picking the right partner, the right team, uh, working together, and the right approach, uh, so that everyone feels comfortable and work through that change management process. It's a big part of it, for sure. And I think that's where we'll see, you know, things start to change. And why I talked earlier about partners. Mm. You know, not any one vendor is going to have all the the answers, and sometimes you, you need to bring in experts from other areas to to bring the ecosystem together. So, something we're we're very focused on. Do you think that's something that's become about recently in terms of recognizing that no one vendor has all of the answers? Because I think if you, I, I always hear, you know, as often we do in life, you, you often hear the negative things more than the positive things, and often hear that you know, a vendor A sold us a dream, vendor B told it was a complete solution. Do you think now we're, we're kind of evolving our mentality and mindset to recognizing that we don't have all the answers, or some vendors don't have all the answers, and there is a much more acceptance to seek support from from a different provider or, or seek guidance from a different provider who might be specialist in that area? Yeah, I, I think it it has changed. Maybe it comes with with age and our experience as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but yeah, certainly, I think the the industry, in all seriousness, has changed to to the way they look at that. As have some of the companies, certainly at Honeywell and and what I'm trying to drive in the life science business, it's something well recognized amongst the entire team and and how we work with with the industry. 
No, and that's interesting to hear. And obviously, we've mentioned the word change a few times, and we've touched upon some of those challenges that are more rapidly, you know, COVID being one and, and, and different challenges face. But if you were to, you know, look into the future and uh, check check through the crystal ball, what, what do you think the shop floor and manufacturing within the life sciences domain looks like in the next kind of three to five years? And and what's the most pertinent change that, that we can likely expect? Yeah, I'd really like to have that crystal ball so I can <laughs> get, a, get ahead of it. But, you yeah. know, the, the things I, I see today are more autonomous type operations, more guided operations by digital technologies. And when I talk about that, it's it could be on the shop floor, but as you know, and, and we've discussed many times in my experience, it's often in kind of that validated process. But there's a lot of things that that happen outside of that. And I think that's where we'll start to see the change first. You know, maybe things that don't impact the so-called batch record directly. I think in I think we're already seeing some technologies and companies introduce things there that are improving operations. You know, the there's there's quite a bit of manual operations in our facilities today. And I think that's where it'll start to change. They may stay manual, but the way they're done and, and people are guided to their work, I think that's where we'll see the, the biggest change. And is that in a sense of removing the, the personnel from the shop floor and, and those tasks being carried out by by robots, by AI? Is that what you're referring to? Is that what you see it? Yeah, I'm not sure robots yet. <laughs> not, not in our industry, but AI certainly. And we we do some of this in some of our technology, right? And with AI, you can you can give recommendation based on what's happened in the past. And still, leave it up to the the person there on the shop floor experiencing what's happening and, and seeing it firsthand to to make the decision. But we can we can provide some insight to to guide them you know, maybe to a, to a certain direction based on some real data. And, and that hopefully can improve efficiency and time it takes to do some tasks. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I mean, AI for me is a, is a really, really interesting one, but, but I would say my knowledge is fairly limited on that front at the moment and it's definitely an area that I'm keen to work on. I guess the thing that I'm always fascinated with when I speak to leaders like yourself, Sean, is, is how you keep up with the demand for expanding technology, disruptive technology, technology that makes challenges the, the industry, but also then acquiring the right talent from a recruitment perspective into this topic. So it, it always seems to me a bit like the cart before the horse in terms of do you look for the technology and expand that piece, or then how do you find the right staff who have the, the knowledge of the, the whole life cycle to, to bring that in? Yeah, another another good question. And uh, <laughs> I can give both sides of the, the the coin to this one. So, you know, when I look at a company like Honeywell, vast technology expertise and growing life science experience. So how do we take that expertise and the people that we have that truly understand, for example, process automation? Think about refining where Honeywell would have quite a bit of experience, continuous processes. How do we take all that experience and build it into the technology solution for life sciences, uh, certainly an area that the industry has been looking at for some time. And I, I think we're on the cusp of seeing some people start to manufacture in more of a continuous process. So it's it's about, in my role, right, uh, as life sciences, developing that, that expertise in the, the industry, whether it's through training, bringing in some people with experience in the industry, Again, partnering maybe with consultants that help us better understand. On the flip side of that, of course, we we always are looking for 
people that have experience in the industry that can bring a new way of thinking to the team. So we, we certainly need to, to continue to build on that, especially as we scale at Honeywell and our life science business continues to grow. We need to have those, those experts uh, around the globe. So we also look at, at bringing in people from the outside. And that's where uh, you and I can can work further together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> One of the, the areas that I always find interesting, Sean, as well, is is coming from a technology background myself. So, so my background is in IT recruitment, and I kind of started to work towards more manufacturing and, and life science process understanding. It's getting that that perfect combination in recruitment focus of somebody who understands the batch process in you know, a batch manufacturing or, or pharmaceutical regulations, but then also has the deep appreciation for technology and how that side works. From your perspective, is there a preferred route that you would have someone come from? So somebody work up from the shop floor who understands the whole manufacturing process, all of that good stuff, but then learns the technology? Or would you rather someone start on the technology side, deep understanding from the programming or whatever it might be that works down to the shop floor? Do you have a preference on what you think would yield the best results? Yeah, I think you and I have had this conversation several times. I, I, I don't know that you always find the the, the yeah. person that has everything. So how, how do you determine which is a priority? And I think it's it's about the role that the person is going to come into, the part of the organization. And look, in our business, we're, we're primarily doing projects, whether it's projects with customers or internal projects to develop new technology. So it's it's about getting that blend in the team right. You may need your your process expert to be part of the the project, but then you also need the the technology expert to help art, articulate that, put it into the the system you're putting in place as well. So it's you know it is difficult to really think about someone that has it all, but I, I guess the answer is <laughs> it depends on what I'm looking for. Yeah, no, I I get that, and I I think from my perspective, that's that's one of the hardest things from a recruitment perspective at the moment is to find find where that compromise is with clients because recruitment is about finding the right people at the right time, of course, but it's also about compromising from a client's perspective where we can find the tolerance for 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 kind of compromise on that. Yeah, it, it is a compromise, right? <laughs> and look, we we have large teams, especially at Honeywell and in my previous companies. So I, I think you can find the balance in the organization that you need to be successful. Yeah. Bottom line is good talent is good talent. You know, if I if I come across them, it's certainly something I want to add to the team at Honeywell. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. I understand. So just want to kind of understand from your side, obviously your your background uh, as you detailed at the start. What's your What's your passion, Sean? Where, where do you get your kicks from from going to work, and where do you see your kind of yeah passion and enthusiasm for for what you do? Yeah, and it's part of the reason I, I joined Honeywell. It's really about, as I mentioned in the intro, the culture, working with people. You know, I, I don't have a deep technology background, but I've worked with it most of my my career, probably enough to be dangerous in, in certain parts. <laughs> but it's it's about how to apply that, right? And how do we get value? for our customers out of that. Uh, that's that's really what gets me excited, having those conversations, taking different approaches, whether it's disruptive technology, disruptive approach, maybe looking at different business models. Those are the types of things that, that I get excited about. And we've been going through at Honeywell recently as we build out our, our strategy to, to continue to grow uh, in this industry. No, that, that's interesting to hear. And I think from my perspective, one of the things I enjoy about working within the recruitment focus of the life science domain is, is around the fact that 
through some, some small little part, some small little you know, cog in a big wheel that helping patients and helping a noble cause in the life science domain. And, and I guess that really leads me to kind of, you know, the, the personalized medicine, cell and gene therapy. And that I find super interesting. Is that an area that, that you guys work within? And is that an area that, that you kind of have a desire to, to expand into and, and work across? We certainly do to all of it. We do work in it today. We look to continue to to work with clients in that space and improve our offerings. And I say improve our offerings because, as you well know, it's a it's a rapidly evolving segment of the industry. To date, there's been a lot of solutions that are you know maybe not built for purpose. And I'm not suggesting everything needs to be built for the industry specific. But how do we build? How do we deliver things that are more relevant to what the that segment of the industry needs? And I think that's something that's starting to evolve as we think about you know how different it really is the manufacturing process, much smaller scale, the need to be much more flexible. You know, in our industry, a lot of those things weren't built into the original solution. So how do we adapt? And again, I'll go back to partnering. How do we how do we partner with the the industry to to come up with those solutions? or just to look at a different way to apply our solutions for that segment. Now that, that that's interesting and and I know we we can't you know m- mention companies by name as such but but how does a company like Honeywell keep up with say the the, the new kids on the blocks that the, the challenges in the industry to to adapt as focus so you know for a smaller company it's obviously more easy or it's easier for them to be agile and to adjust to to patient needs or client needs or or shop floor needs but but how does a company the size of Honeywell pivot and change and and keep up to speed with the new challenges in the space yeah that's that's great and that's part of the the (laughs) life science organization in honeywell actually fine okay so you've got this this huge financially stable great track record business that uh that are giving you the chance to act as a kind of niche niche smaller provider and be agile with those those changes that's absolutely it Wow, that's pretty cool. I, I start to see the excitement in there. <laughs> what what attracted you to the role? Yes. So, solution. We're we're almost at the end of the, the 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 interview and the talk, but I was keen just to kind of finish up on on your thoughts for for MES and kind of your thoughts on on how MES remains uh, as key to manufacturers in their digital transformation journey as other things like an IoT platform or AR or VR or, or whatever it might be. Do you still see MES as the the center point to that digital transformation for, for manufacturers? You know, I think it's an important piece for sure. It could still be at the center, but I don't think MES as we go forward will be the same MES it, it always has been. We, we talked about flexibility before, we talked about mm. change. All that's being introduced into, into our industry. Again, if I think about COVID and the way it's impacted supply chains, just mm. this, this, this need for the flexibility, it's going to find its way into systems and tools. And I think MES is, is one of those that certainly will, will adapt over time, some quicker than others. And, you know, you, you may start to see the, the use of MES a little bit different. Again, thinking about autonomous, we talked about the, the validated portion of the process and what, what really needs to go into a batch record. I think we might see things slim down a bit in the MES space and really focus on what's what's critical, and that'll be what's important to, to MES. And then it'll, of course, need to be integrated to other systems, other platforms. <laughs> and I think you, you used a key word there. Uh, I think the platform approach is certainly a way 
that's going to impact this industry quite significantly. And just on what you said, do you think that that adjustment and change that the MES traditional MES landscape is and, and that uh, adaptive period now that they might be entering. Do you think that's driven by what competitors are doing and, and what new kids on the block are doing? Or do you think that's changed by by what customers actually want and, and, and how MES is perceived by the manufacturers? I, I think it's the latter. I, I truly believe it has to do with what the, the industry is looking for. MES has been a journey. I started fairly early on in my career with with MES, and it was slow adoption rate in the industry. And a lot of companies have now adopted it, but there's a whole nother part of this industry that now see maybe some of the, the bigger users gaining value from a solution like MES and, and trying to figure out how they can get that value out. And I think that's where the change will, will be driven from because it's just different economics of how you, you look at MES for, say, a contract manufacturer as opposed to uh, a big bio facility. They're, they're quite different. The value you can get out of MES is the same, but we need to find different ways to, to apply the solution and deliver it. And I guess to interpret and use the data that, that comes out as well. Absolutely. It's yeah. very much important to, <laughs> to everything we do today. And the technologies out there that, that can now help us interpret that, that data. As you're well aware, MES and, and other digital tools create a lot of data. Now it's all about getting those insights and, and hopefully getting to the point of, of making decisions. I think we're probably close to the proactive stage. It'd be great to see us get to more of a predictive stage. No, that's interesting. And is that something we can expect, the predictive phase in the next few months, years or decades? Where, where, does, that, <laughs> where does that sit on the time <laughs> continuum? Yeah, I think it's months, maybe oh, okay. up to a year. It's okay. certainly something that we've really been able to accelerate with our recent acquisition of Sparta and some of their technology. How do we get to that predictive state? How do we predict yeah. quality? The, the tools are capable, and now how do we pull it all together? Yeah, the, uh, the, the question that's going to uh, help everyone, I guess, in, in terms of predicting guaranteed result sheets time and, and no wastage on the batches or whatever it might be. That's what everyone's looking for, I guess. Absolutely right. And it, yeah, it's something we're, we're focused on. And, and really, uh, you'll see some unique approaches from Honeywell where we can partner with, with customers to, to get to those results, put some skin in the game, if you will. I mean, that, that sounds pretty interesting. And why don't we, we have a follow-up episode, Sean, and, you know, when, when we've got some of those case studies we can talk about or, or maybe some of those bits and pieces you can share and uh, you can give us that insight, that would be great. Absolutely, we'd love to do it. Yeah, good stuff. Well, look, Sean, it's been a pleasure chewing the fat with you and uh, having a, a conversation around the industry. Obviously, great to, to hear your insight into to how you view things. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Always great to catch up. Yeah, thanks for your time. Cheers, Sean. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Manufacturing IT Podcast. Don't forget, hit like and subscribe and add your comments below. The podcast is brought to you by Manufacturing IT Recruitment. Get in touch with Daniel Langley if you're looking for a new role or if you'd like to add talent to your team.